Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, the Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, March 25th. Today we are reading from the Big Book, Chapter 5, and we are at page 64, Paragraph 1. Today's readers are Michelle H., Deb W., and Penny C. The reference number for Tuesday, March 24th, is 7417. That's 7417. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Donna F. to read the 12 steps. Please press star one to unmute, Donna F. Good morning, everyone. This is Donna F., um, a recovering compulsive overeater. Here are the steps we took which are suggested as a program of recovery. Step one, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons that we had harmed and became willing to make amends to all of them. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us for the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And I pass. Thank you very much, Donna. I will now ask Anita L. to read the 12 traditions. Good morning, everyone. This is Anita L., recovered for today by the grace of God in Philadelphia. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. 
personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to compulsive overeaters who still suffer. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, radio, and films. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Anita. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To to share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 64, paragraph 1. I will ask Michelle H. to begin reading. Good morning. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, everyone. This is Michelle H. in Missouri, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Therefore, we started upon a personal inventory. This was step 4. A business which takes no regular inventory usually goes broke. Taking a commercial inventory is a fact-finding and a fact-facing process. It is an effort to discover the truth about the stock in trade. One object is to disclose damaged or unsalable goods, to get rid of them promptly and without regret. 
If the owner of the business is to be successful, he cannot fool himself about values. And so, you know, here we we're embarking on we're launching on some action. Now I was told that this is the first action step step four. And you know, it says I'm gonna be seeking truth and I'm this is a fact finding and fact facing process. So you know, the, the paragraphs that have gone before, you know, has shed some light and told me that, you know, the root of my problems is selfishness and self-centeredness. Even though I don't think that this is the root of my, my troubles, um, you know, I'm told by those who are recovered that it is. And that I've stepped on the toes of my fellows and they're retaliating. But I'm not seeing this. And so in the, and step four is going to help me to see this truth, to see that, that I have some unsalable characteristics, some character defects, some things that I would be more successful if they were gotten rid of promptly and without regret. And, and that's, um, you know, that's the spiritual journey that I'm on, and this step four is part of that process. It's part of the journey that's going to help me to get, be relieved of the bondage itself. That's kept me, you know, um, in the delusion that, that I'm a victim, that things are happening to me, and that, um, you know, I don't have a part in them. So, the, you know, before this tells me about step four, it says we had to get down to the causes and conditions. And I'm going to be given directions um, so that I'm not going to any longer be able to fool myself about what's valuable and what's not valuable. But coming into this, I really, I really was blind. I didn't see the truth. I was seeing only the part, my part, my selfish part, that I was being hurt, that these things were happening to me. I didn't see that I had a part in it. I didn't see my selfishness. I didn't see that I was stepping on the toes of my fellows. And I really want to see the truth. And I was told by those who, who've gone before me, uh, those who are recovered, that this is part of the process of finding out, finding out where I'm selfish and self-centered, where I don't see it, this delusion will be shattered. This is the beginning of shattering this delusion that I'm innocent, that I don't have a part in it. And it's going to be with the help of my new employer, my this new director of my life that I'm giving, you know, I'm turning to for help that's going to help me to see. And that, that was my experience. I started seeing how I was selfish and self-centered. I started seeing how that in the name of helping other people that I was really controlling and demanding. And that I, I was out to get what I wanted. I was out to wrest happiness and satisfaction out of life no matter what. And I wasn't seeing that other people, you know, were deserving of happiness and satisfaction and contentment too. It was all about me trying to get to the top, you know, for my own security, my own emotional needs. What did I need? Um, and that's where my focus always was, and I didn't see it. I thought that I was totally innocent, and there were characteristics and defects. Um, that were no longer that were not serving me. They might have served me in in the early years when I was trying to survive, but now they were blocking me. They were blocking me from other people. They were blocking me from the power source. I I had all this sludge that was in this channel. That there was a light, a very dim light at the other end of that tunnel, but the sludge of resentment and anger and self pity, and that others were doing to me, and I didn't see what I was doing to others had to be cleared and gotten rid of promptly if my life was going to be successful. I found it wasn't, it wasn't working for me the way I was 
um, behaving. I couldn't see my behavior. And this step helped me to see what was I doing? Um, How was I acting out of selfishness? How was I being demanding? How was I being unreasonable? How was I trying to get um, just for me and not thinking of others? And my selfishness, my self-centeredness, I didn't see it. I thought I was totally innocent. So what a wonderful step this was. What a wonderful beginning process that I will practice for the rest of my life to be able to see the truth about myself and quit fooling myself about what is of value and what isn't. And uh, grateful for that process and continuation today and grateful to be on the line. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Michelle H. Who would like to share on this paragraph? Okay, I heard Matt M, Larry, Melanie. Is that Melanie C? Yes. Okay, and I heard someone else that I Paula D. Paula D. And then I heard Katie F wants to share after Paula D. (laughs) Okay, so we'll have Matt, Larry, Melanie, Paula, and me. Go ahead, uh, Matt. Hi, good morning, everyone. This is Matt M, compulsive overeater from New Jersey on the East Coast. It's good that we're going over step four in the big book because that's what I'm on right now. And um, it's not easy process, you know. The disease is constantly talking to me in my head saying, you're awful, you're a piece of garbage, look what you wrote down on this piece of paper, you know. And it's amazing how I'm seeing all these different truths that are coming from myself. There's character defects I like and there's character defects I don't like. It's easy for me to say, let me let go of the ones that I don't like, but, um, but the ones that I like are, are the hardest, I think, to give up because some of them used to produce um, pleasure for me and things that I used to get away with. And I realized there's, there kept some of my tragedy effects, I would able to get away with things with impunity, but now being in program, I can't get away with hurting others. I can't get away with getting over on somebody or being self-righteous anymore. It just doesn't work. I've eaten over these things, and I will eat over these things if I don't recognize them and catch them as soon as they crop up. Um, I know steps four through nine for me, that um, they separate the men from the boys and the girls from the women. Um, that are action steps. They're not easy. Um, I Sometimes I quake in my boots because I have to give this away to my sponsor next. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, my God, what is my sponsor going to think of me? They're going to think I'm a horrible person. But I know that's really not true because my sponsor, I, I want what he wants, and he's gone through the process um, before me. So he knows what it, he knows. He's been there. He's done that. That's a T-shirt. He knows what it's like to go through, walk through fire. And I'm, I'm going to share with him. That's why I did the hardest resentments first. I wrote them down because, if I didn't do that first for me, I would have I would have just glazed over and I'm like, oh, it wasn't that bad. Oh, I wasn't really that angry. And that's perfect because I'll just crop up later and I'll eat over it too. I'm just gracefully that I can look at things promptly without, and I'm starting to look at them without regret because regret, is, is I believe, is a resentment against myself. Remorse, it's for bitterness, something that happened yesterday and the dread of what tomorrow may bring, you know, uh, from the, another piece of literature I read. And, um, Seeing the flaws in me are not nice, and shining that light, that dark light, that light into those dark uh, crevices of the attic of my mind. Seeing things scurry around when you want to shine light there, it's not nice. But um, I realize I want to be free of this stuff. You know, this is years. I'm dealing with stuff that I haven't dealt with since I was a child. So you know, I'm grateful that I have the opportunity just for today to do this and get out of my own way, because I am my own biggest obstacle with this disease. Let it begin with me, you know. It's an inside job. And I'm just grateful today. I don't, I don't need that extra little bit of food to anesthetize me 
don't have to quote deal with feelings, you know, what are those, you know, feelings. And I'm just grateful that this process exists and this program exists. And if it wasn't for the mothership program, I believe, of AA, this, this um, program wouldn't exist. With that, I'll pass. Thank you. Let me share. Thank you, Matt M. And Larry Kay, it's your turn. Hi, Katie. Um, thanks so much for your service, Katie. Uh, Larry Kay, uh, Recovered Compulsive Reader. You know, it was helpful for me, um, you know, to, to put these steps in context. Uh, you know, again, step four is a fact-finding and fact-facing, you know, process. But because of that, if I don't know where I'm going, you know, any road is going to get me there, right? So these steps are not some random fluke process. Um, what I've learned through, through experience is they're a specific, focused, you know, but very profoundly effective way that brings about a personality change sufficient to, you know, re- remove the, the chains of compulsive overeating. And, you know, as I embark on four, you know, being recovered is not just the ability to be abstinent and miserable. It's, it's complete freedom. It's like the, the, the prison door gets opened once the ego is snuffed out, you know, and it has to be snuffed out sufficiently, might not be completely, and it happens through these, these action steps, which start here, you know, and this is the process we call recovery. So starting with step four, you know, the first of the action steps through step seven, we're on kind of like an archaeological dig, you know, where the main purpose is to get right with ourselves. So in other words, the, the relationship I had with myself was out of whack. It, it wasn't aligned with what my higher power intended. And then step four, you know, this fact-finding and fact-facing mission is to examine my grosser handicaps. I needed to inventory those because, you know, one thing was for certain until I I honestly, you know, looked at these things, I was going to continue to collide with everyone and everything in my world. So in taking step four, it's not too difficult. I mean, uh, the moment I could put my pride and fear down long enough to face the truth about my resentments, my fears, my harms done to others, you know, my apprehension about the process kind of left me. And it reminded me, there's a, a title of a book I read years ago that captures the essence of this for me. And, and the book was written by Susan Jeffers. It was entitled, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. You know, these steps enable, enable us to move forward with confidence, love, and peace from, you know, moving from a self-centered existence to a God-centered existence. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry. And Melanie C., it's your turn. Thank you. Hey, good morning, Katie. Thanks for your service here. My name is Melanie C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater uh, calling in from Oregon. And I looked at this and I heard the word personal inventory, read the word personal inventory, and I don't know how to do that. And it's getting a little bit confusing for me now because I've never, ever taken a personal inventory, never any personal house cleaning. And so trying to understand as I get into this paralysis analysis thing, which is one of my best stall tactics anyway, because I really want to be at step 12 already. I don't want to do all this other kind of stuff because the truth of the matter is, is that um, all my troubles were somebody else's. They were all yours or all things or whatever. And so I didn't have any experience in being able to do any of this kind of analysis and, and, I mean, any of this kind of thinking. And so when I looked at this, it really was a savior tactic for me because it was explaining to me the attitude and the posture and the approach that I'm going to take 
to an inventory. I was thinking it was much more. I thought it was really going to be a bleeding heart, you know, oozing out of of a of a journaling kind of a situation that was going to take me a long, long time. And I just can't do that sort of thing. I have an attention span of a gnat. So in deeper studying this with my sponsor, she was pointing out things like get your mindset into that of what somebody would do in a business. And so I'm thinking about what do they do every January, February in a grocery store. They have all these people around with all these little machines and they're simply going around click, 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 clicking of all the stuff that's on the shelf and they have no personal investment in it. It's just a matter of course. They're looking at the product. They're taking the labels down, doing those UPC codes and they're figuring out um, if these green beans are selling faster than this brand of green beans and that's it. Is it useful anymore? Are they, are they damaged in terms of its usefulness to the store, this, this, um, the uh, benefit and the, and the wealth of the store anymore or not? That helped me a lot. I didn't have to get into all the, the, the things that I thought were really of no use in myself. And then I also could do it in a smaller scale. I didn't have to you know, write down hundreds and hundreds and hundreds because the paragraph before tells me I'm just getting down to causes and conditions, those root causes of why I behave the way I do when I get into certain interactions in certain places and what I did that needed to be cleaned up. And I could do that in 10 or 15 or 20, or I could do that in two or three or four. I didn't need to get so deep into it. But I think I wanted to go back to the point I was making about this particular paragraph. It's setting the stage for the, the, the additional instructions that are to come. What kind of attitude, what kind of posture am I going to take in looking at this sort of thing? And then I'm going to be able to be protected from grief or grime or dirt or morbid reflection or whatever words I want to use to whatever that other process is of dragging myself through mud that I'm not supposed to be doing. It's supposed to be not, I'm not supposed to be attached to it. I'm just supposed to be naming it and getting it down. And it's the, it's the pre-setup of the instructions that are yet to come. And so I just wanted to add that part in case someone hadn't thought about that. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Melanie. And Paula D., your turn. And thank you. And good morning, Katie, and good morning, all. This would be Paula D. I am a compulsive eater, recovered by and with the grace of God. You know, as we come to this paragraph, I came with reluctance, may I add. But there it says, therefore, so... It's there for a reason. It says here, taking a commercial commercial inventory is a fact-finding and a fact-facing process. You know, for those of us that can remember, but if not, I, I will. Uh, there was a show that was called Dragnet, and there was this guy, Joe Friday. Lord, I love that guy. He would come to the door. Now, here's whatever's going on, whatever was done. He has this little tiny notebook. Not what I would think that if you wanted me, just say very clearly, just the facts, man. Nothing but the facts. He didn't need a notebook that was huge to write the facts down. Facts are something that actually occurred or exists. That's it. What actually occurred. And it goes on. And what a relief that is. Because I'd be ready to rack that little braid of mine. No. What was it? Where was it? When was it? How was it? It said one object is to disclose, again, to show. Oh, wait. In an effort to discover, uncover the truth. 
it's going to show you damage or unsaleable goods to get rid of them promptly and without regret. I will tell you, that was huge. I thought they gave me something. They gave me justification for what I did. Oh, Lottie, I fluffed it up. I looked at you. I didn't look at me. Finally, without regret? Why would you have regret? That's the mental twist. That's what I had. So today, as I read this, oh, get rid of them promptly and without regret. If the owner of the business is to be successful, he cannot fool himself. You don't have to fool me. I'll do it myself. And that I did. He cannot fool himself about the values, what he thought they gave him, when in actuality is what they took away. Thank you for allowing me to share. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Paula. This is KDF, and I'd like to share um, uh, this sentence. One object is to disclose damaged or unsaleable goods, to get rid of them promptly and without regret. And, you know, when I first looked at taking inventory and was looking at my life, I just thought I had to clean up everything that was going on in my life, everything that had ever happened, and that I would still use that same stuff. And, you know, the fact is there are some relationships that I have never gone back to. Yes, I have, um, I made amends, I did whatever I needed to do, but I didn't have to keep um, in that same life that I had before. And I had no idea when I started on this journey that my life was going to completely change. But I was willing to do whatever it took to get out of uh, the mayhem that I had been in for two and a half decades of, you know, me running the show. So it took that willingness to just lay it all out there and say, well, this is how I was. This is how I was in relationships. This is how I was, you know, in my work. This is how I was, you know, in my family. And, you know, this is the part where um, take what you want and leave the rest um, applies for me because I did not have to take back and uh, try to fix relationships that were broken beyond repair. You know, yes, I can look people in the eye today that, you know, were uh, part of my past, but it doesn't mean that I have to interact with them. And that was something that I just did not expect. I had no idea how how different my life would be as um, a result of having a God-centered life instead of a me-centered life. And I just wanted to bring that out, you know, that um, this is just, it, it is a scary process, but it's one day at a time, one minute at a time. And, you know, I've been now abstinent for over two and a half decades, and I still have to take inventory. I still have to look at what's going on. Um, you know, some things can, can go down a rabbit hole and, and, you know, to be cleaned up. And, you know, I have to take stock and trade. Is this something that I need to keep pursuing or do I need to just clean it up and move in a different direction? And that's the kind of guidance that we get by working this uh, program one day at a time. And with that, I'll pass. Uh, who else would like to share in this paragraph? Sally? Janice? Melissa C. Vasa. Okay, I have 
Sally A. Janice. Is that Janice P? No, it's Janice M. Janice M. Okay, I didn't hear your voice long enough. Okay, Melissa C. And Vasa O. Thank you all for talking so slowly and clearly. Go ahead, Sally A. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning, Vision for you. It's Sally A. in South Jersey, a recovered compulsive overeater. So just to add to what's been said already, we we have this paragraph, therefore we started upon a personal inventory. And this is not me writing a journal. This is not me writing a whole history. This is not me writing what happened and um, defending my behaviors um, and explaining myself for the 4,000th time because my whole life I was uh, making excuses and explaining myself. Um, this is me writing a personal inventory in very brief words. And it goes on to say this is step four. And step four is not step one. It's not step 12. It's right here in the middle. And there's a reason why it's step four and it's not step one, two, or three because um, the, the ground of our brain has been, uh, has been pretty much hoed so that we could reach this place and we could be in the right mindset. Now I've got this mindset where I understand, I admitted that I am powerless over food and that my life is a disaster. Um, it's a train wreck. And I have step two, I have come to believe that I need a power greater than myself. Lack of power was my problem, and I understand that. And I have step three, I've made a decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God. And having done those things, now I'm ready for step four. And in step four, a business which takes no regular inventory usually goes broke. Taking a commercial inventory is a fact-finding and fact-facing process. In other places in the book, it says we took a searching and fearless. So we take a flashlight and we're going to search out our behaviors. These were my coping mechanisms. I used those coping mechanisms. These character defects were my coping mechanisms that I used to get me through life, to get me getting what I wanted. That was the bottom line. And now I'm going to take a searchlight and I'm going to search out fact-finding and I'm going to fearlessly fact-facing, I'm going to face up to the facts of my behaviors. And it goes on to say it's an effort to discover the truth about the stock and trade. What's the truth about who you are, Sally, what you did, how you behave, the coping mechanisms that you use that don't work anymore. And one object is to disclose damaged or unsaleable goods. It's to finally to be, to be honest enough to tell somebody else, this is what I did. This is how I behaved. These were my coping mechanisms, and this is what led to the character defects of who I am today, and to finally get rid of them promptly and certainly without regret. Thanks for letting me share with that. I pass. Thank you, Sally. Janice M., your turn. Yeah. <clears throat> Thank you, Katie. Um, this is Janice M., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Okay, we just finished step three. And, you know, for those of us that have a little security and we're going forward, we have a uh, hopefully we just say, well, I can't do this myself. Something's wrong with me. So, um, you know, I'm going to go on blind faith. I'm going to have direction from uh, some power, hopefully. So now we're here at step four. Now, you know, it was mentioned about a personal inventory. Well, I've taken this especially many years ago, and my it wasn't personal. It was all about everybody else. And when it says personal, that means me. <laughs> no, it's about me. And uh, it's not about food. 
It's about me because the food is down now. So, but I'm still restless, irritable, and discontented. Can't understand why I, I keep picking up. Well, so what's the purpose of this? What's the purpose of my fourth step? Well, it's to identify and get rid of the things, you know, that's been blocking us. Why? Why? Well, these are blocks that this higher power of ours is going is to, the grace of this higher power is going to come in and give me, in you, the ability to live happy, joyous, and free from the food, without eating the food. I don't need that anymore. This is the beginning of the, of the process that's going to unblock me. See, I, like somebody said, I always thought it was you. If, if you were different, if you did different things, if this didn't happen in the past, I wouldn't be eating. I would, my behaviors would be different. So, you know, one of the things was my, my, my high, high expectations of everyone. And my high expectations were like a premeditated resentment. And, and that got me into trouble. It wasn't them. It was me. So it's just like, you know, Bill, you'll get to know that Bill writes like this. He's a biz, he was a businessman. And he's, he needs equating our fourth step to business. Now, if we have, a, you know, if we have too many chopped up crayons in a, in, a, in a nursery school, what good are they? Throw them out. I'm not going to be sad. I'll get some brand new ones. And this is what's going to happen. The purpose, the purpose of this fourth step is to get rid of these things that have been blocking us from my higher power, whom I wish to call God. Uh, and with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Janice M. And now we will have um, to see, please. Melissa, please press star on mute. Okay, how about Vasa O, and then we'll try to get back to Melissa C. Can you hear me now? I'm sorry, this is Melissa C. Yes, Melissa, we can hear you. Okay, so Vasa O, please wait. Okay, thank you. This is Melissa C, a recovered compulsive overeater from New York, and, um, you know, I, I I like it myself. I I was the business, and um, you know, a business that doesn't take inventory um, is in jeopardy of going under. And um, I was more than just in jeopardy of going under. I was I was going out of business. You know, it was all falling apart. And um, you know, and for me, that's um, the beauty of desperation. I could no longer deny that my business was going bust, and um, you know, and my denial, that, that's been like, uh, some ways, maybe at one time it was a gift because it allowed me to survive difficult times, but that, of course, became a defect, um, an inability to see the truth. And when I started on my step four, um, you know, my fear would pop up because I was so good at closing my eyes to what I didn't want to see. And I thought, um, if I didn't see it, it didn't exist. And, um, you know, and until it was, the, the inventory was choking me all around me. Um, and then I could first, you know, say, okay, it is here. But, you know, that problems exist, and I can't shut my eyes to it anymore. And, um, you know, that's the beauty of the third step as well, because every time I can feel the fear 
rising in me, um, I just could say my third step prayer and remind myself that I was, I was, you know, embarking on this work because I was powerless and I needed to quickly and thoroughly get myself access to the power. And I heard it here on the line. I heard people talking about being recovered. And uh, and I and it sounded like a formula to me. You were going to do this, 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 and this, and then you were going to have a spiritual awakening, and the food would no longer be, you know, you wouldn't be fighting this demon anymore. And that's what I was, I was dying for. I needed. I was so tired of trying to fight the dragon. Sometimes I would win the battle. <laughs> And then other times, you know, for sure the dragon reappeared and, and took me under. And I heard someone here when I first started listening talk that, you know, the dragon no longer exists in their kingdom. And, and it was because they had a spiritual awakening. And um, and so that step four was I better get on it and I better do it. And I'm so grateful that I did. But that I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you. And Vasa O, your turn. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Thank you, Katie, for your service, and I'm grateful. Recovered compulsive reader calling from Florida, and the biggest motivator for me to do step four was not to go back into the food addiction. And again, it says here, taking a commercial inventory is a fact-finding and fact-facing process. It is an effort to discover the truth about the stock in trade, and one object is one object is to disclose damage on unsellable goods to get rid of them promptly and without regret. And uh, I can identify with this um, paragraph so much. For me, it's like going in the refrigerator and cleaning my refrigerator every couple weeks and just going back and see which uh, what food is outdated and which one is still good and getting rid of the stuff that's going bad, that's unedible, you know. But anyways, uh, it was, you know, again, I was, you know, I did the first three steps, you know. I had no problem, you know, with the identification, the allergy, the mental obsession, the solution. And the solution was for me to keep going, not to stop at step three. I mean, I would have loved to just stop at step three and just go on with Mary my married life, you know, it just wasn't like that. Once I put the food down, a lot of stuff was coming up that I, a lot of secrets, a lot of anger, a lot of resentments that I'd been stuffing over the years was coming up. And I remember my sponsor at that time, you know, she hadn't done the big book. She knew a little bit here and there, you know, but formally she didn't do it. So uh, she gave me, you know, the people did it. The, the writing so many different ways. She handed me a questionnaire. It was like 169 questions. They were like on child, on um, childhood, childhood, adolescence, and adulthood. And they were questions. They were, they were almost yes or no, and that's how I was answering them, you know, because I couldn't really, really, really express my feelings, you know, and maybe it was a good thing for me to do it at that time the way it was done because I had to really, really dig when in the past, what happened, you know, over the years and how it affected my life, you know. 
up to that point. So, I mean, I've done this in many different ways, you know. But this was very beneficial when I did it um, by the process, you know. And I needed a lot of help. And I remember being scary. It was scary for me to go and admit, you know, about the things that I felt or thought about that I couldn't admit to other people. But in spite of my fear, I just kept on asking God to give me the help, to give me the guidance like he did with the food, you know, he did with the first three steps, you know. So I kept on going back to God all the time, praying and giving out to God to give me the courage, give me the strength to keep on going. And it was the best thing I had ever done. I know it's step four, it's, you know, writing and give it it away. But I didn't it didn't feel pretty, you know, to look at myself, the selfishness, the self-centeredness, the envy, you know, the, you know, all the character defects that I had to face. And I'm just so grateful. I I'm looked at it, and I still look at it. It's never, I'm never done till I'm dead, but they don't control my life anymore as much as they did before. Thank you, and I pass. Rochette, okay, Rochette, if you could wait, we're going to move on to the next paragraph. Oh, sure. um, and uh, so I will like I would like to ask Zeb W to please read the next paragraph. This is Deb W, um, Oklahoma, recovered compulsive eater. We did we did exactly the same thing with our lives. We took stock honestly. First, we searched out the flaws in our makeup, which caused our failure. Being convinced that self manifested in various ways was what had defeated us, we considered its common manifestations. And so what I'm I'm getting from this is uh, we're getting ready to approach an exercise that is uh, challenging us to look at ourselves and, you know, our flaws and the things that, you know, come around uh, over and over again that are common. Uh, I can recognize these things when, you know, they come back and uh, hit me. And and it makes me want to go back to page 52, and I had it here, but now I've got to go back again. And on 52, it talks about our uh, bedevilments. And and basically, for me, when I did my uh, fourth step, it was it these bedevilments came out. And and like it says, we were having trouble with personal relationships. So am I a person that you know I can get a friend, but I can't keep a friend. I can get a man, but I can't keep a man. You know. I, I can get a job, but when I start the job, there's always a problem. I can't get along with the employees, you know. Uh, my parents are giving me a struggle. You know, they don't understand. They didn't do this or that for me. My expectations weren't met with them. It, then the next bedevilment, we couldn't control our emotional na- nature. So I'm the, I'm the life of the party, but then after the party, nobody wants me around. You know, am I am I out to get what I need and what I want? Do I step on other people to get them? You know, when I'm doing the inventory, these things surface. You know, I start out being able, writing down what bothers me, 
And then we turn the corner and we look at the part that we played in it. Were we a prey to misery and depression? Am I always thinking the worst? My husband says, well, if I think the worst and something good happens, then I'm pleased. I'm pleasantly surprised. What a way to look at life, you know? Am I always the one that, you know, I have a problem and I need you to help me with it? You know, I can't, you know, everybody's doing something to me. We couldn't make a living. So once again, I said, am I always um, blaming other people for not being able to hold on to a job? You know, did I not prepare myself with education? Am I not doing anything about that now? You know, am I dependent on everybody else, my parents? and other people. We had a feeling of uselessness. You know, what do I count? Does it really matter if I got up or didn't get up? You know, what am I, you know, what am I adding to the stream of life? You know, we were full of fear, fear ridden. Everything I don't do or do is based on fear. We were unhappy. We couldn't seem to be of real help to other people. And I remember when there was a time in my life that I basically didn't want to be there. I didn't want to be in this life. You know, I didn't want to be here. I struggled with even participating, accepting that I am one of many. You know, it isn't all about me, you know. So this is uh, what how I can relate to this paragraph. Thank you. Thank you, Deb W. And uh, if we're Caput would like to go first, and then who else would like to share on this paragraph? Sarah W. Leah. Okay, let's go with Rakefit, Sarah W. Oh. and Leah M. Thank you, Katie. This is Rakefit Z in California, recover compulsive overeater. And what I have to keep in mind in this. Step four was this inventory was my inventory, what I did, what my actions were, what my thoughts were, why I did it. I don't need to look at anybody else's inventory because I can easily do that. I can easily look at my mom and tell you why she does the things she does. You know, I'm resentful for her for doing something, but she and she does that something because she was brought up that way or. This life situation happened to her, so she looks at everything awkwardly. You know, I don't have to explain anything about her. I don't. All I have to explain is why I'm resentful against her and what my actions were and what my words were and what my um, thoughts were about why I'm resentful. Look at my part. I don't have to look at anybody else's part, not my husband's, not my mom's, not my employer's. I can easily be resentful of my employer for making me work, for instance, 60 hours a week, and then why is he making me work 60 hours a week? Because he wants to make more money. He doesn't care about anybody else. Why doesn't he care about anybody else? Because he's very greedy. I don't have to go on and on about the employer. All I have to know is what I am resentful about toward, toward the employer and what actions I did that were wrong on my part because I was resentful and what um, I was thinking because he because I was resentful, nothing to do with, with what they think, what they, what they, anything about that other party. It's only about me. It's my inventory. I really like that because it's really easy for me to get off and start explaining why those people are bad, why 
why my mom is bad, why my husband is bad, why my employer is bad, because if this and this and this happened to them or whatever reason. None of my business. My business is me. And I really like that about step four, personal inventory, my inventory. So thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Rekepet, B, and Sarah W., your turn. Good morning, Katie. Thank you for your service. This is Sarah W., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Um, step four, you know, it, it's so good to be here. And um, I was thinking about the first time I took an inventory uh, 20 years ago. Next month it will be 20 years that I've, uh, I've been in the rooms. And I was thinking that um, it really does help um, help us so much to get to the other side. It is so, so valuable. And I was thinking that, you know, so many times we see something as being so um, frightening. You know, this step is all about courage. You know, that's the principle behind it. And when I think about courage, I think of the opposite, which is fear. And fear is, you know, I I learned a few acronyms, and I, I love acronyms. I don't know, for some reason they really help me. And I learned that false evidence appearing real could be what fear is or face everything and recover. And for me, um, you know, I know I need to do another inventory on a few things. Uh, I try to do a 10-step as as um, as things come up. But I think it's really important for us to relook at things, especially if something is bothering us or some relationship that we have and, um, the thought that comes into my mind is that we get right-sized, you know, that, that humility that comes into play. And, and, you know, not that we're in the fifth step, but there's a reason why we don't just do it with God and ourselves. You know, there is that humility that comes in when we do it with another person. And for me, I've always been either better than or less than. And that's the way I always looked at myself before. And today, I just want to be eye-to-eye. You know, I'm no better than anybody I'm no less than anybody, and I want to handle myself with grace and dignity. And really, a fourth step really affords me to do that, and I can finally join the human race and know that, you know, I I just want to be um, the person that God would have me be. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. And Leah M., your turn. Thanks so much, Katie F., this is Leah M., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. First, we searched out the flaws in our makeup, which caused our failure. Being convinced that self-manifested in various ways was what it defeated us. We considered common manifestations. You know, this was the ticket for freedom for me, this first action step in an inventory process. Step four is the first action step I took. Uh, four through nine is the entire inventory process. Because my book taught me, teaches me that to get over compulsive overeating will require a transformation in thought and attitude. So I had an opportunity here to analyze my behavior. You know, what I was the biggest obstacle <laughs> to a better life. My core belief systems had crippled me, had deteriorated uh and altered my personality for the worse and had given my emotions violent twists and was causing my failure. And so this was an opportunity to take a look, and I had to do this uh, quickly because I was on a race against my mind. 
can I get recovery before my mind convinces me to eat? <laughs> and so step four was the first action step, just like these men and women. They weren't just thinking about this process. They weren't just reading about this process, talking about this process, feeling about this process. This is an action program, and so I, too, had to take action. Why? Because I, too, have a personal business. What's my personal business? My personal business is the business of finding a way to live. <laughs> finding a way to live where I can have peace of mind, where I can have serenity, where I can have happiness, where I don't feel the need to dig my fists and, you know, down in boxes and bags in order to cope with life. You know, so if I don't go through this personal business inventory, I'm, I'm going to go broke too. And going broke for someone like me means picking up. And for someone like me, picking up means to die because I'm trying to find a way to live. And each day that I would procrastinate and put off step four through nine, it's another day that I'm restless, irritable, and discontent. And it's another day I'm filled with resentment, fear, guilt, shame, remorse. So this process, you know, is, is not asking me to write my whole life story in excruciating detail. It's asking me to look at the common manifestations of self. You know, where, where does it demonstrate itself? Where is it exhibited? And so the big book directs me, look at your resentments, look at your fears, look at your sex, your sex conduct, and, you know, those character defects of yours that have riddled my life, permeated my entire life through selfishness, through dishonesty, through resentment, fear will be expressed, will be, uh, you know, obvious through this process, this action process. You know, I always ask at that point, I ask myself today still every day, how free do I want to be? <laughs> how free do I want to be? How willing am I to press into this process? And with that, I pass. Thank you so much. Thank you, Leah. We have time for one more very quick share if there's someone who would like to jump in. Kim? Monica? Okay, Kim. Um, Monica, I'm sorry, but if you don't mind waiting till the second yep. hour. No problem. Okay, Kim. Kim G, go ahead. Good morning, King. I beat you, Monica. No, just kidding. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. My name is Kim G. I'm a recovered compulsive reader from South Jersey. Being convinced that self manifested in various ways was what had defeated us. You know, I have to ask myself, you know, what, did I, what was I convinced of besides that it was self? You know, for many years, I thought that food and weight was my problem. You know, if that was true, then I had gotten hundreds and hundreds of times. That would have been enough. I had lost weight hundreds of times. That would have been enough. So I'm now convinced that's not my problem. Do I still think it's about life not going my way? Am I still a victim of the delusion that I can wrest satisfaction and happiness out of this world if only I manage well? I got to be convinced that's not it. I got to be convinced. It was many years in a way I was convinced that the, the tools were the program of recovery. So my problem was I need to get a better sponsor. I need to go to 17 meetings a week. I need to make 14 million phone calls a day. Am I convinced that the tools support the steps and that the tools aren't the program? That whole idea of a geographic solution, am I convinced if I get a new boyfriend, everything is going to be okay? If I got a new job, it's going to be okay. If I moved out of my town, it's going to be okay. Am I convinced that it's no longer all these, these sayings that I heard? You know, the problem is I'm letting myself get too hungry, angry, lonely, tired, halt. 
The problem is I need to avoid people, places, and things. The thing is I need to avoid my triggers. If I still think that is my problem, if I'm not convinced that it's self, I'm going to be seeking other solutions besides the steps. And I'm just going to end with on page 101 where it tells us what happens if we don't do the steps. If we're trying all those other solutions, we learned outside the rooms and some of them we learned inside the rooms. On page 101 it says, in our belief, any scheme of combating alcoholism which proposes to shield the sick man from temptation is doomed to failure. If the alcoholic tries to shield himself, he may succeed for a time, but he usually winds up with a bigger explosion than ever. We have tried these methods. These attempts to do the impossible have always failed. So the reason I'm going to do these steps, the reason I'm going to move forward is an inventory, which like I said, is four through nine. The inventory is not four. The inventory is four through nine. is because I'm convinced that self manifested in various ways with what has defeated me. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Kim G. Okay, and now... Um, Thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Penny C. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Yes, thank you, Katie. Good morning, everybody. My name is Penny C., recovered compulsive overreader from the Boston area. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.